Welcome to the Single Cell World, the podcast for scientists in which we disentangle single cell technology. Here, frustration and failure are transformed into clarity and understanding. I am Katia Motinho, and in this podcast, I want to share with you my experience in single cell research. How? In the form of useful advices that you can use in the lab after each episode. Ready to learn? Let's start. Hi, everyone. Welcome to one more episode of this podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me, John Bashkin. He works at S2 Genomics, a company that has an amazing, really amazing machine that can help us on the sample preparation of solid tissues. Hi, John. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me, Katia. It's great to be here. Welcome. So today we will talk about a machine that for me is kind of magic, right? Because it seems that we put the tissue, solid tissue, and we get cells in suspension. So let's talk about the singulator today. But before we started entering technical details, I would like for you to introduce a little bit yourself. Who is John Bashkin? How did you arrive until S2 Genomics? Sure. Well, my background originally is in chemistry and physics, and then uh, graduate school in chemistry. And then I got more and more interested in biology. So I did a couple of postdocs in biophysics. And then in 1992, I moved to California to join what was in a very small company called Molecular Dynamics. And that company was really the premier biological imaging company uh, at the time. We had products like first phosphor imagers, scanning densitometers, and uh, confocal microscopes. And I was hired to be the first person on a project to develop the next generation sequencing platform for its day. So that ended up becoming the Megabase 1000 and then the Megabase 4000. These were capillary-based Sanger sequencing systems and were used to complete a very large portion of the original human genome project. Uh, that got me into genomics at the time. Molecular dynamics was bought by Amersham. And so I stayed for about a year and then left. And since then worked at a number of nonprofit research institutes and startup companies, medical device companies, and did a number of different things and got my MBA. Then in 2017, I was contacted by our CEO or former CEO, Stevan Ivanovich, who invited me to do S2 genomics with Stevan and our COO, Bruce Lees, and I, we had all worked together back at, at Molecular Dynamics 30 years ago. So we got the band back together and launched uh, S2 Genomics. Okay. And what is the goal of the company? Sure. Our goal is to become a premier provider of tools for sample preparation, primarily for single cell application. Our applications are really single cell sequencing for cells or nuclei, but there are many other applications as well. Isolating cells, preparing organoids, doing fax analyses. All of these applications can be done downstream of tissue dissociation on the simulator. Okay. Yeah. Now I know why the single letter was developed. So let's start from at the end, but you already answer. What is like the end product of the singulator? What after all the processing of the machine, what will I get? Cells in suspension, but also nuclei, right? That's right. You can put in a piece of solid tissue and depending on the protocol you select, you'll get out a suspension of purified viable cells or a suspension of nuclei. Okay. And so you already answered to this, the applications after the main like application will be single cell experiments, right? But you also mentioned organoids, cell culture. So there is a lot of other things that we can do, of course, with the cells in suspension or with the nuclei. 
That's right. And in terms of single cell experiments, it is compatible with all technology, all types of technology, or you say, okay, there is certain tech companies, let's say, that we don't support the use of their technology. Or no, it's just cells in suspension. We can do whatever we want, basically. Yeah, we're agnostic to the downstream applications. Uh, you can use anything, and whether if you're doing single cell sequencing, whether it's a droplet-based or split-seq approach or some other technology, those are all compatible. We have relationships with all of those companies and work very closely with them all, generating data sets, demonstrating workloads, and ensuring that that there aren't any hiccups in going from the cellular output to their input. No, the goal, our goal, is simply to produce high-quality cells and nuclei that can be used for anything downstream. Yeah, that's great. And what type of samples? Fresh samples, frozen samples, snap frozen, cryopreserved. So what type of samples can, for example, I use in the simulator? That's a great question. For cells, generally we use fresh tissue and the fresher the better. For nuclei, it can be fresh, flash frozen, OCT preserved. And we've also uh, recently launched protocols for isolating cells or nuclei from tissue that's been preserved with FFPE. Uh, so if you manually deparaffinize and rehydrate your tissue, then you can dissociate that tissue on the singulator and isolate either cells or nuclei, depending on the protocol you pick. Yeah, I'm seeing that paraffin fixed like samples, FFP, is the, the way the companies are going because it's really important. These are archival materials, especially in the clinics, right? All the material, it, it's like that. So yeah, that's really good. That I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what about... Also inside the type of samples, can I use animal samples like from human, mice, plants? What type of can I use? Yeah, customers have done all sorts of species, human to honeybee, planaria, drosophila. It's quite an extensive list now. Uh, we try to keep that list as far as we know it updated on our website so people can, can see what's been done. Plants have been done for nuclei. Plants are more difficult and it depends I think right now very specifically on the tissue from the plant that you're trying to trying to use. Things seem to work best if you use very uh, soft material like early uh, leaf shoots or embryos. Those types of materials seem to work well plants. Things that are tougher, uh, not so well at this point. We're still working on the protocols, but that's what we've seen successful so far. Yeah, plant tissue is the, one of the most difficult. It's very difficult because of the walls of the cells. Yeah. And in the protocol, do you use enzymes? Because for us, one of the main problems when we do like manually tissue dissociation by the way this is a part of a single cell experiment with which we struggle more because depending on the tissue even if it's the same tissue type sometimes we need to change a little bit the protocol so normally we use enzymes besides mincing the tissue with blades scissors whatever we we find or we can do mm -hmm. we use also then uh, enzymatic dissociation. You use enzymes in your protocols? For cells, we use enzymes. For nuclei, we use a buffer detergent. It's a pretty standard buffered NP40. But for cells, we use enzymes. And we have reagents that we put together for different tissue types. So if you're doing kidney, we have a kidney dissociation enzyme cocktail and so on. So we have a number of those available and expanding the set all the time. We just released enzymes for uh, mouth skin and and it's hard, for example. But the system is also open with respect to reagents. So you can 
use whatever you want. If you have experience with a tissue and you have an enzyme cocktail that's been working well for you with a manual protocol, you can use that enzyme cocktail on the singulator and it will work just fine. And usually your calls will be much faster on the singulator than they were manual. Okay, that's amazing. This possibility for us to do different mold changes to the main protocol. And about the singulator, so what there is a minimum amount of tissue that I will need to have? Yes, we recommend for cells with our standard cell cartridge that you have at least 10 milligrams of tissue. There are some customers that will go less than that, but we recommend for the most reliable operation that you have at least 10. And then the upper bound is in the range of 250 to 300 milligrams, something like that. For uh, an experiment where you might want 10 or 20,000 cells, you really don't need very much tissue at all. Our yields are typically uh, tens of thousands to 100,000 cells per milligram of tissue, so you really don't need very much. For nuclei, with our standard cartridge, also 10 milligrams minimum, but we have a, an alternative cartridge that we call NIC+, and with that cartridge, you can go to as little as one milligram or even less. So that's the cartridge, for example, if you're dissociating an FFDE slice, which will only be a few milligrams, then that's the cartridge you use. No, that's good. Yeah, because normally we need more tissue if the quality of our cells will be like lower, meaning if we'll have a lot of the a lot of things when we are doing manually. We need more sample because afterwards we'll need to filter to remove dead cells and we will lose. So yeah, that's good. So let's say then I have my sample, uh, I have the machine, the singulator, and do I need to buy other reagents that I will need for the, the tissue dissociation? Well, for cells, you can buy our enzyme or use your own. And then afterwards, typically you'll do a red blood cell lysis. So you'll take the suspension cells out of the singulator cartridge, spin them down, and then do your red blood cell lysis and spin them down again. Some customers will then also want to do some additional uh, filtration of debris. So you might want to have a manual strainer or Flomi or some device like that to get rid of any residual debris. For nuclei, uh, you'll want to use either our nuclei isolation reagent or, or your own uh, detergent reagent. And then you'll also, in most cases, want to have RNase inhibitor in your sample cartridge as well to help preserve the quality of the RNA. We sell our own that you can buy from us or uh, you can use one from any of the many vendors for RNA inhibitors out there. And then you take your, uh, your nuclei suspension out of a cartridge when it's done, spin it down, resuspend in our storage buffer, and then again, move on with either tration or fax cleanup or uh, another couple of spin downs to get rid of that residual debris and move on with your downstream application. Now you talk about storage buffer for the nuclei. Can I storage them afterwards? Because sometimes what we do in big experiments, there is a storage buffer that we resuspend the nuclei. And before we do the single cell experiment, we can put a minus 80. Is it possible with your buffer? Well, all of those downstream protocols are up to you. With our storage buffer, the nuclei are, are quite well behaved. We don't recommend that they sit around even on ice for more than half an hour, uh, even with RNAs inhibitor present to get the best quality results. There are many protocols now that use fixation as an initial step. And so if you have one of those protocols, then you can fix your cells or fix your nuclei, and then they can be stored uh, and sent around wherever they might need to be sent for analysis. So the fixation protocol 
protocols are getting quite elegant now and I think quite effective if you need to store things long term. Yeah, I love them, to be honest, because <laughs> these decrease the struggles that we had before, that is the timings, collecting the samples. So yeah, that is really something that is really improving. And I think this is the key for more people to be able to have access and to do single cell experiments, yes, or single nuclei experiments. That's right. And, and really um, alleviate some of the logistical nightmares you have of just trying to manage samples and get things through your workflow, or if you have fresh tissue, process the tissue really quickly uh, through a bunch of samples. So yeah, they can be really, really helpful in just managing the overall throughput of your lab. Yes, it will reduce the stress <laughs> that we face when we are doing this kind of experiments. <laughs> what about, let me ask you about the workflow. So I have my tissue, what do I do? I put in a cartridge. Can you tell me a little bit what will happen after when I start doing the tissue dissociation? Yeah, we, we've tried to make the system as simple to use as possible. And so we have single-use disposable cartridges. You put your tissue in the cartridge, you put a cap on, slide it into the instrument, select your protocol, and say go. And that's basically it. The reagents for the nuclei isolations are stored on board the system. And you can have enough for doing 25 or 100 runs at a time, depending on the size of the kit you buy. And so you just walk up to the system and, and use it. There's no other prep or setup required. For cells, you want to load your reagents fresh every time. And so there's a separate mechanism where you put your enzyme and buffer into standard conical tubes and this, uh, put them in the instrument and then the instrument will load those uh, to your sample as needed. And that's it. Uh, nuclei, depending on what you're doing, take about five to 10 minutes and then cells take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on the tissue and the protocol. And then when you're done, uh, take the cartridge out and pipette out the suspension into a conical tube and spin it down and off you go. Magic is what I was telling. <laughs> this machine is like magic. We, we didn't choose to that, but yeah, it's not magic, uh, but it, it can work quite well. Yeah. What about if I need to optimize my protocol? So let's say that I don't have any protocol available on the website because my tissue is very specific. What should I do? I should optimize right away in, with a machine or should I optimize a little bit manually to know what enzymes work better, the timings to have an idea and then go to the machine? What do you recommend? Yeah, the protocols that we have built in uh, handle really wide range of tissues and they can also be modified slightly. And so if a protocol calls for a certain incubation time of your tissue with the enzymes, you can set what temperature you can set, how many minutes that's going to happen. You can adjust how aggressively the mechanical dissociation is going to happen. So there are different parameters within each protocol that you can change and then save those and make them your favorite and, and go back to them and use them again and again. If you're starting from scratch, then the easiest easiest way to begin is to uh, have a manual protocol. So most of our customers, if they're doing a tissue we haven't seen before, it's a tissue they've been working with and they have a manual. And if you get in touch with us and talk to one of our application specialists, they can take that manual protocol and then tell you immediately, you know, use our lung protocol with these parameters. And that'll be a really good starting point. And so usually it's only after two, maybe three runs um, where you're really dialed in and getting good results. And 
in many cases, uh, people get equivalent or better results than they have in manually on their very first try. That's not uncommon at all. Yeah, this is something that I always tell for who is listening to us, ask for help, for support to the companies that are experts on the technology, because you guys, your team, they know a lot because you face different challenges. You know about some researchers that are facing the same challenges. So it's really important for us to contact first the company that is the expert on the technology that they are selling. And if there is no solution, there will be support. Yeah, as you mentioned, you guys will try to, to help the researcher. But if there's not, let's try to check in the community if someone knows how to overcome those challenges. So this is really important, the support. Yeah, I mean, we really try to collaborate with our customers and, and be helpful in that way. There are customers who have posted protocols on protocols.io. Um, we also have a mechanism on our website. If somebody has a protocol for a tissue they've developed, then they can download a PDF form and fill it out. And then we post that on the website. So everybody in the community has access to the best practices for a particular tissue. Yes, this is something very nice that I saw on your website, that is the community. So you have a, a place that is community. When you open, yeah, you have different things, protocols, also applications. So that is really nice, this type of support. Mm -hmm. And now, how many samples can I process in one run? So I suppose this goes with the, the type of singulator that I use. So you have two types of singulator, the 100 and the 200. Is this related with the amount of samples that I can use? That's right. The Singulator 100 was our first product, and it can handle one cartridge at a time. And the Singulator 200 has two sample bays, so you can run two samples, and they're independent. You can walk up and start a run on one bay, and then half an hour later do a run on another bay. One can be cells, one can be nuclei. They're independent, uh, so you can run through them. And if you are doing nuclei, for example, on the 200, the preps are a little bit faster than on the 100. I think the standard prep is just over five minutes. And so if you're trying to bank four or eight samples of nuclei for downstream application, you can get through those very, very quickly with two samples at a time and, and the processing time being only five to 10 minutes. Each. Right now, I'm thinking about the PIs, the bosses of the labs listening to our podcast and they are saying, okay, I need to buy <laughs> one of these machines because of course, the part of the experiment of a single cell experiment where we take more time is in the sample processing, is the sample preparation. So right now with these timings that you are talking about people are thinking ah so fast <laughs> so yeah it's really good yeah it's not uncommon for manual protocols to be two or four hours and uh especially for for nuclei getting those down to less than 10 minutes is is a very attractive option for customers yeah mm -hmm. of course we will need to add extra time i suppose in case we have debris or low viability on our cells right you mentioned before that if it happens we will need to do downstream processing like filtration or that's a removal and this will be a little bit more time right that's right. Um, there are filters built into our sample cartridges. So most of the debris gets filtered out during the process, but there will be some residual debris that comes through. And if you have a sample like brain, there might be a lot of myelin protein that comes through. And so that needs to be removed. We have a number of options that we recommend. We have a protocol for a very quick protocol gradient spin that I think takes about seven minutes. It's very effective at getting rid of myelin, for example, uh, or debris in other samples. But whatever techniques you have in 
the lab, access to a cell sorter or another platform for purifying material. Those can all be used downstream. Those steps tend to be easier and faster than with other methods just because we've already filtered out a lot of the debris to begin with. But yeah, if you, if you want your sample to be ultimately clean, then, then you want to do one of those steps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And did you try with a simulator do what we call the difficult issues that we always, instead of trying to isolate cells, individual cells, we go straight away right now, if we do it manually, to nuclei like the brain tissue, fat tissue, I don't know, pancreatic tissue. Did you have something for cells? We, we do. Um, and the viabilities tend to be in the mid 80s to mid 90% for all of our preps. But for many tissues, like with brain, there are going to be cell types that are very fragile. And so your cell type representation may be biased uh, from those preps. And that's why a lot of people will opt for using nuclei for those particular tissues. So our dissociations are mechanically very gentle. And so we do our best to preserve those fragile cell types. But uh, those cell type representations can be affected really by any method uh, if you're doing cells. There are also tissues that have been difficult for us to optimize. If you are doing liver, for example, it's very difficult to get viable hepatocytes. Uh, They're just so fragile. And so we don't recommend uh, going for those. For adipose, we have had customers tell us they've had success isolating cells or nuclei from adipose. It's not a tissue that we work on ourselves very much, but we've had customers tell us that they've had success. Um, so, and, and with pancreas, especially for nuclei, the um, the RNase activity is so incredibly high. Uh, it can be very, very difficult to get high quality RNA out of some of those tissues. So again, there's no magic here. If things are problematic and generally in the world, then uh, odds are they'll be difficult for us as well. But we do have success. Customers do have success with a number of tissues that they've had trouble with trying to work with manually. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, it's about biology here because are the type of tissues, the type of cells. So yeah, I never say impossible. <laughs> that word I, I remove from my dictionary, but I think it will be very, very difficult to find a protocol able for us to dissociate these type of tissues. Brain, for example, we have ne- the neurons. They are not round cells, right? They are like very sensitive, as you say. So it, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. I will say that is not a technical limitation, but more biology limitation. There are things that it's very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, we just released a protocol for isolating cells from mouse heart, for example, and and you get uh, you know cardiomyocytes. You can see them beating under the microscope, the very large 150 microns or so, but they're there. Uh, so we were you know very excited about that result. That's yeah, a very difficult sample type to work with, and and uh, you know and those considerations like that also feed into your downstream applications. If you have cells that are very very large, then you want to be selective about what type of single cell sequencing platform you're going to use because some of them are compatible with large cells and, and some of them not. Yes, are completely right. What about like in general the viability? I know that it always depends on the tissue type, but you have like average of viability that normally you get from easy tissues, let's say. Yeah, we release protocols when we ourselves reliably get greater than 70% viability, but generally our viabilities are in the mid 80s to mid 90%. And we found that really across the board, and that's pretty typical for what our customers see. There are tissues that that come back that, that might be 
60% viable, but that's compared with the manual prep where they're generally 40% viable. So we're always at least as good, if not significantly better than what people can do manually. Mm -hmm. Yes, because manually is what I always say. Like if we have a lot of dead cells, yes, we can do dead cell removal, right? But are we really getting the representation of all cell types when we are removing cells? So it's like, for me, it's better to repeat and to try to optimize the sample preparation than doing working with that sample. But if it is like precious sample that we will not have anything else so let's try to save what we have yeah and yeah we are almost finishing (laughs) so (laughs) where can people contact you or they can contact Estu genomics through the website you have twitter linkedin yeah we have uh, uh, all of those Um, i think the best way is to go to our website and there's contact information there we sell directly to customers in the u.s and we have distributors around the world so people can contact us wherever you're from and we can put you in touch with the appropriate organization and we have all the distributors uh, listed on the website as well with their contact information but feel free to contact us uh we are also on uh the whatsapp group at uh single cell whatsapp group and uh so we're we're around and easy to reach i hope Mm -hmm. that's good i will leave all the contacts after in the podcast episode description for people to have it and to contact you if they need do you have anything uh, that you would like to add to talk about singulator as to genomics now it's your free time (laughs) whatever you want (laughs) i don't know that we've tried to build a company that is really for the community and there to support the community and obviously we want to to sell our products and and make money for the company. But in a larger sense, I work for the community. I happen to be at S2 Genomics right now, but there will be a time when I'm not anymore and ought to do something else. So really, we all, we're all we all scientists at heart, and it's our job to support the scientists and enable the science and the discoveries that you want to make. And that's the thrill for us when somebody publishes a paper having used our device and discovers a new gene for senescence or something like that. So that's really exciting for us. And we try to be as open and transparent as we can be and uh, as helpful as we can be. So I hope you know people like the platform, and uh, but whether they do or not, we're always there to answer questions and be helpful as best we can. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, the proof is that you contact me to be able to participate <laughs> in the podcast that I really, really appreciate. And for people that are listening, do that, just contact me and I will be more than happy to interview you because it's like that the community works as far as to share our knowledge, uh, our failures, but also what work and I think only like that is the way for us to move forward because a company like uh, yours as to genomics will try to improve will try to help us on like things that we say okay these we cannot do it there is this need and as a company maybe you will have uh, like the potential or the tools to help us to develop a product like this one the singulator that it sounds magic for me <laughs> after so so many years of struggling with sample preparation so I think sharing experiences bad and good ones is the way for us as scientists to move forward and to help other people yeah that are right now crying that their experiment is not working (laughs) yes yeah well thank you Kathy. it's been a real pleasure to be here uh thank you again for joining the podcast and supporting the community and yeah talk to you soon bye everybody thank you so much see you next monday Bye. bye thanks for listening to the single cell world podcast 
If you think it was useful or you learned something new, please spend some seconds rating this podcast on Spotify or leaving a comment on Apple Podcasts. It will make me super, super happy. For more tips or advice, follow me in Instagram or Twitter at SingleCellWorld or simply subscribe our website or blog at www.thesinglecellworld.com. Well, I will wait for you next Monday with a new episode.